Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. As always, you're here with your hosts Liam and Bill, and the footy season's finally back for 2018. Yeah, that's right, Liam. Footy's officially back as the AFLW kicks off tomorrow night. Carlton playing Collingwood in what will hopefully be a lockout crowd at Icon Park. I know that we'll both be there. Same fixture last year had just shy of 25,000 people attend, and hopefully we're looking at a similar crowd tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm excited to get down and watch the footy. I think I've just been sort of like biding my time and waiting for footy to get back, trying to watch some tennis and basketball and the cricket, but it's, it's all just been waiting for the footy to come back, really, and uh, it's exciting that it's finally come around. Yeah, absolutely. It's just not the same. Um, hopefully, we're getting good crowds down, and I think we'll probably, my prediction is at least, we'll be seeing improvements on the crowds from last year. I'm not sure what you're thinking. Yeah, probably. Um, I think with a few more uh, fans maybe getting down over um, to watch some Frio games over there, they got a new stadium, and um, I think there'll be a few more um, Melbourne-based fans getting on board, like one particular team maybe, and going and supporting them more regularly, so hopefully we see a bit of that. So the league did kick off with some impressive numbers last year, almost 200,000 attendees over the course of the season, an average of just shy of 7,000 per match, which is pretty good for the first year. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that the league would have been pretty happy with those numbers. And we're going to see the same eight teams come back this year that we saw play last year. Obviously, we had the announcement um, late in 2017 that we're going to get an expansion with North and Geelong coming in in 2019, and the Saints, the Eagles, the Tigers, and the Suns coming in the year after in 2020 to make that a 14-team league. But but for this year, we're going to see the same people run around that we did um, uh, last year. Yeah, so once again, seven rounds, uh, each team playing each other once, and then no final system really, it's just the top two teams straight into the grand final. So that was pretty interesting watching that last year. We saw the um, we saw the Melbourne Football Club make a make a run late but miss out on percentage. So it is really getting all those wins on the board and getting that top two spot, which determines if you can play off in the big dance, which is a bit different to what we see in the men's competition. I heard there's going to be a few rule changes this year, Liam. You might want to run us through a few of those. Yeah, I think the big one that um, fans will have a bit of time adjusting to is that the last touch before it goes out of bounds will be a free kick against you. So sort of that basketball-style rule where if I touch and it goes out, the other team will get the ball first. So we'll see a lot of um, the players having a bit of trouble with that at the start too, particularly the defenders not being able to see it over the line. So, yeah, what do you think about that change? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out, and I think we've seen similar rules in some of the AFL preseason games before. Um, not so sure that I'm a fan myself, but it'll be interesting to see whether it keeps the pace up and, and keeps... Players keeping the ball in the field of play. And that's a rule that we'll also see come into the uh, AFLX, the new competition, which is coming up in a few weeks. We might do another podcast about that a little deeper, but we'll see that last touch out of bounds for the men's in the AFLX as well. So it's definitely one of the rules that the league is sort of keeping around and keeping their eye on. So a few more changes. I think they're moving the bench down from six to five, so one less player in the squad, and also bringing in time on for the final two minutes of each quarter. Yeah, so last year we had the 22 players like in the men's, but two less on the field and two extra in the bench. This year they've dropped one of those players off the bench. Um, hopefully we'll see a little more uh, tired legs out there, which will maybe decrease the congestion a bit that we saw in the first year of um, footy and maybe a few more open spaces. So to anyone who's wondering how you can watch the games, obviously you can get down in person, which is ideal, but if you can't make it down, uh, free streaming for all Telstra customers on the AFLW app. It's a free plug there for Telstra. If you want to get on board and give us some money for this podcast, you can uh, hit us up or find us on Twitter, The Science of Footy. Um, You can send us a link. Um, We'll move on to some of the flag odds now and give you sort of just a brief idea of um, 
what at least the bookies think are the favourites for this year. They've got the Crows coming in as favourites to go back-to-back. Yeah, followed closely by the Blues, $4.50. And then the Ds and Dogs trailing them narrowly, $5 and $6 apiece. Brizzy, your boys are coming in sort of underdogs there at $7. So the fifth favourites to win the flag just by making the grand final last year. What do you make of that? Yeah, it's not too surprising, I think. We obviously lost Taylor Harris over the off-season and... Uh, we weren't really favoured much last year. I think we were the spoon favourites to, to start the year and then obviously surprised a few, but typical Vic bias I'm going to narrow that down to. <laughs> and we rounded out with the Pies, Freo, and GWS coming out as the least likely, likely according to the bookies. But I think what we saw from the favourites going into last year that you don't really know a lot with these players that we haven't seen yet. And I know there's been a lot of personnel changes and new players come into the league this year. So I think similarly, we'll have a few upsets and a few teams over and underperforming to these numbers. In the common medal market, Darcy Vesico, who won last year with a haul of 14 goals, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. So she kicked two goals a game and she's going in favourites with the bookies again to take out the uh, Coleman equivalent in the women's league. Uh, we've also got Perkins and uh, Phillips from the Crows, uh, both lining up as the next uh, cabs off the rank there. So look for them to kick a few goals. Yeah, one of the recent media days, the AFL asked a few of the captains from each team who they thought was going to win the flag, win the Brownlow equivalent and the Coleman equivalent. And it turns out that no one picked either of the grand finalists from last year, Crows or Lions, to make the grand final. Pretty interesting, wasn't it? We had uh, four of the captains say that the Diesel win the flag and three for the Blues and one for the Dogs. So the league captains, at least, think that there's going to be a few different uh, teams up there at the end of the year. And um, apparently it's going to be a good year for the Victorian-based teams with um, all of the votes going to going to those teams. And in a similar fashion, no one's picked Aaron Phillips to win the Brownlow equivalent. Yeah, um, Davey from Carlton and uh, Pierce from Melbourne each got... Um, three votes there for um, uh, the Brownlow equivalent, uh, according to what the captains think. So I'm a little shocked by that because of how dominant Phillips was in the first year. Um, maybe just some of the captains um, know something that we don't, or maybe they're just looking for a new face to win that award. But I would think that Phillips would be, once again, strong favourite, at least with um, uh, the public and the media, to maybe go back-to-back on that award. Yeah, absolutely. Very surprising not to see Aaron Phillips' name pop up there. Um, Darcy Vesco, however, has managed to get seven out of the eight votes from all the captains, or from opposing captains, to win the Coleman equivalent. Yeah, so there's definitely, um, she's definitely seen as the best goal kicker going around in the league at the moment. Um, it's yet to be seen with, as you said earlier, Taylor Harris going over to the Blues, whether her presence up forward will lead to more crumbing goals for Vesco, or maybe she might take a few goals away. So that'll be very interesting to watch throughout the year. All right, now we're going to run through all the eight teams and give a bit of an argument for why each team can win the flag this year and just sort of run through some of the key players, key strategies that each team's going with and just generally round out how this season might go. We'll start with, of course, Adelaide, the reigning premiers. And obviously, I think they need to be considered as a big flag chance. No opposing captain has picked them to make the grand final, but I've definitely got them in mind. And um, one of the big things i got going for them is Erin Phillips. We talked about in one of our other podcasts how she took home every major award in the sport and she was out and out the best player in the league. And when you have the best player in the league, you've got a really big shot at winning a lot of games. Um, so I, 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 once again, uh, the captains didn't really pick Erin uh, Phillips for the major awards as they see it, but I really think that she'll drag them across the line in a lot of games this year. Yeah, another player who's possibly in her shadow a bit is her co-captain, Chelsea Randall. She's definitely one to watch. Started a bit slow last year, but definitely kicked it up a gear in the second half of the season. 
um, and definitely into the finals and got a very good footy brain there and a joy to watch her play. Couple of other uh, major contributors to that team, Marinoff, which we'd mentioned before on the podcast, who is uh, the rising star winner from the first year, got a great kick on her and um, she's a great contributor, as well as um, Big Perkins, who just slots a lot of roles up forward. Yeah, and there might be a new face to watch. Ruth Wallace actually kicked five goals in a recent Pracky match. So someone up there to uh, link up with Tex Perkins and hopefully put a few goals on the board for the Crows. And I think um, they've got a pretty deep list there. We've, we've listed a lot of like top-end talent names. They've added a few extra players um, along with that depth that we just mentioned, um, including Jess Allen uh, in the ruck. Um, but unfortunately for the, the uh, Crows, they lost a former marquee uh, player, Kelly Gibson, who went over to Freo in the recent trade period. So there's a bit of personnel change going on at the Crows. And one major thing to watch for with the Crows will be Beck Goddard's performance as coach. Obviously had a fantastic debut season last year, coaching her team to the first ever AFLW Premiership. And very impressive to uh, on her part to get the team working together so well as a team, considering half of them are based in South Australia and half in the Northern Territory. So a very unique situation there, and she obviously did a fantastic job last year. We'll move along to Brisbane now, who... As you said, went into the uh, league last season uh, spoon favourites and ended up making it all the way to the grannies. So they're obviously used to um, overcoming some of their uh, previous expectations and performing at a higher level than people think. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was quite surprised to see them as the spoon favourites last year considering the relative strength of of Queensland footy. Um, I think it's the largest state for participation in the female aspect of the game. So I wasn't too surprised to see us do quite well, although I was quite surprised to see us go through the regular season undefeated. Was it mainly team play, you think, or you think that there were some particular players that stood out for Brisbane last year that um, kept them in a lot of these matches? Or what do you think was the major um, talking point of why Brisbane performed so well? Um, obviously, they have you know a few stars up there, but I think it was the team play. They played very well as a team, um, defended very well as a team, which I think was was the difference in quite a few games. It was not too uncommon to see us lose the battle out of the midfield, but still managed to get the score on the board to win, and a lot of that was down to our defenders. Talking about that midfield, um, the issues you had winning the midfield battle there, you, over the off-season you have added um, Jordan Zanchetta, uh, who had a knee injury last year, but is coming into the Brisbane team this year to play in that middle. Do you think she'll be able to help um, the output out of there? Yeah, that's definitely what the coaches will be hoping for. Um, Zanchetta is a very highly rated midfielder, very good skills, very poised. And I think, yeah, it is one area that I did see us losing quite a bit, center clearances and often also the tackle count out of the middle at least. So um, very good addition to the lineup there in amongst a few losses. The big talking point for Brisbane has to be the fact that Taylor Harris went into the team last year as one of the best players in the competition before the AFLW start, one of the great kicks for goal and one of the big presences in your team all year, uh, but has obviously moved in the trade period over to Carlton. Um, how do you see that loss affecting Brisbane's ability to uh, kick a big score that can win games? Yeah, I think it'll be a big loss. Um, maybe not so much next year, but definitely down the line as, as Harris continues to develop. Um, it was interesting, her... Output didn't probably quite match her hype last year. Um, she did have a few key games and, and one winning, one very impressive mark and goal after the siren, I believe it was, or close to the siren to win the game for us. But as a whole, she was a bit in and out of games, but definitely moving forward as she continues to develop, she'll definitely be one of the, the top forwards in the league. So it's, it's, it's a big loss. And were you surprised to see her move? Because I believe she's a Queensland girl to begin with who... So she's not coming to Victoria to move home or anything, and she's moving out of her home state to play footy. Um, what do you make of that? Yeah, it's uh, obviously Brisbane fans are quite used to losing players to go home factor, but 
when someone who's from your home state moves down, you know, it, it sort of highlights the uh, potential for sponsorship opportunities and stuff that just exists in Victoria. Obviously, even at this point, even in the women's game, um, that just doesn't exist up in Queensland. So it, it's it's unfortunate, but I wouldn't say surprising. And there were players that came back to Brisbane in this trade, so let's not just say that um, Taylor's um, trade ended up being a loss. He got two players into this team, um, both uh, Exum and uh, Bella Air as well. Um, what do you think they can bring to the table? Yeah, both played games for Carlton last year and both looked quite good, and uh, I think that'll add to our depth, which was one area that we were perhaps a bit lacking. So, uh, you know, who knows? Perhaps the trade could, could work in our favour in the long run. And I believe um, one of the players there has a lot of uh, speed to burn. I know Brisbane's got a couple of uh, speedsters. Do you think that pace can be something that um, Brisbane can utilise this year? Yeah, absolutely. Very pacey team up there. One player to watch and probably my favourite player in the league at the moment, Kate McCarthy. Just absolute great pace. She had that goal last year, just burning everyone off from halfway and slotting it through. Um, definitely one to watch, an excitement machine. Taylor Harris is one loss, but Sam Virgo is another one that we want to see go around for Brisbane again this year. Yeah, it's a very big loss. Um, I spoke about our defensive prowess before, and, and Sam Virgo was a big part of that. So to lose her for an, to a knee injury for the entire season, I think, is one of the reasons why we might see Brisbane slide off a bit this year. Well, we'll go from Brisbane onto the team that Taylor Harris is now playing for, which is Carlton. So they're getting a big key forward up there to play uh, alongside one of the best goal kickers in the league, Darcy Vesico. Surely they're going to have one of the out-and-out uh, best attacks of the league. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to, to watching Tay Harris tomorrow night and, of course, Darcy Vesco. I'd be very interested to see if the Carlton midfield can get on top and, and give them some supply, how many goals they can kick between them. I want to get your opinion on this um, Darcy Vesco for Coleman. Everyone seems to think it. Is Taylor Harris going to be an advantage or a disadvantage to Vesco kicking goals? Um, I, I, I personally can only see it as an advantage, I think. Um, it's one more... You know, very talented player for the defenders to worry about. And obviously, Darcy Vesco, being a bit smaller, can hopefully crumb off Taylor Harris, crashing a few packs and, and sap a few goals like that. So I think we'll still see Darcy kicking her fair share of goals. So Carlton were fourth in 2017, so they were up the top end of the ladder, and um, a lot of people are saying that they'll they'll push up higher again. Um, they've got more additions to their team apart from Taylor Harris? Yeah, they've added Nicholas Stevens, who should start off the halfback flank and do a good job down there. Um, although they did lose Jacobson, who moved on. I believe the league actually stepped in there and told them they needed to trade Jacobson. So a bit interesting there. Is it a factor of um, that they had too many high-end players or that there was movement of marquee players in and they wanted to see movement around the league? Or Yeah, league-enforced movement, I believe, to some extent, but it, it did have something to do with players falling into the league category, I believe. When they brought in Tay Harris, they needed to move on on. Not exactly sure of what the ruling there was from the AFL but that definitely seems uh, what occurred well I know when the league started every team had access to was it two priority marquee players and then there was uh, two other players that you could bring in on a second bracket probably the league not wanting there to be too early uh, deviation away from what they said at the start to allow an even league across across the competition not exactly sure what happened uh, with the specifics of it but something along those lines I believe is what occurred during that trade period. Bree Davies a very interesting one for Carlton. Um, she was uh, voted the most likely to win the Brownlow equivalent by the other coaches, and she won the Best and Ferris last year for Carlton. She's a previous uh, goalkeeper, I believe, in the soccer, so she's got um, a lot of sporting pedigree and is only 23 years of age, if I'm not mistaken, so she's got a lot of upside. Um, what do you see from her this year? 
Yeah, last year we saw her put up absolutely huge numbers on the stat sheet week after week, so I'm expecting more of the same. I'm desperately holding out for them to bring in the AFLW Supercoach so I can get Bree Davy into my team. Supercoach Asana, you and I are all over from the men's. It'd be so good to have it uh, right now for the women's, and I hope that they bring it in soon enough. Supercoach, if you're listening. And um, Supercoach is probably another topic that we'll hopefully bring out a few podcasts in later. Um, we're all over it. Yeah, absolutely. Something we'll definitely touch on, and quite disappointed at this stage that it's not an option for the women's game. Move on to Collingwood now. Um, so Collingwood, they talked big talk coming into last year. They had the big signing of uh, Mo Hope, who is uh, a star in those exhibition games. She kicked, you know, masses of goals, and she was the big tattoo sleeve, big face name of the club. Um, but they started a bit slow. Yeah, unfortunately for uh, Mo Hope, she garnered the nickname Mo No Hope because she failed to fire a shot really poor form and then an injury later on in the season just as she was starting to sort of hit her groove a bit so a bit unfortunate there and as you mentioned the Pies found themselves out of the running for finals um, slumped to 0-3 and in a 7-8 round league you really can't afford to do that. They've got other options down the forward line now so uh, Chloe Malloy is um, definitely one that they've brought in this year through the draft I think um, who looks like she'll be a great goal kicker as well as uh, Jasmine Garner who will play up forward alongside her so hopefully we'll see a bit more of a dynamic forward line up there this year. Yeah and they've also grabbed Jamie Lambert from the Dogs who to be honest could be said underperformed last year but definitely has talent and has been known to slot a goal as well so the Pies should have a few options forward of centre. There's one thing about having a strong forward line, like they've brought in a lot of players to play there. It's a very important part of the game, but it's only important if you can get the ball down there. Yeah, so they didn't really do too much to strengthen their midfield, which probably could be considered a bit of an area of weakness uh, for them last year. And to be honest, I think that's probably one of the reasons why I think we might see them near the bottom end of the ladder again this year. We're talking about Collingwood. I think the first thing we need to mention is, will Eddie rock up to round one this year? Yeah, um, no boxing on this year, so apparently he will be there, but remains to be seen. We'll keep an eye out for him tomorrow night and make sure to give him a shout-out if we do see him. So anyone who missed that story last year, um, Eddie Maguire, uh, first women's match ever, first one that his team Collingwood's in, and he didn't rock up. He was not seen, and it turns out that he was off uh, commentating some boxing match in Queensland somewhere, somewhere, I think, so... Poor form by Eddie not making it down to his club's uh, first ever match, but um, maybe we'll see him this year. Move on to Fremantle. I think the first thing we're going to talk about when we talk about Fremantle is one of the best coaches going around in Michelle Cohen. Yeah, she was um, one of the first, uh, the first I believe, female assistant coach in the uh, WAFL, as well as um, she was the one that would coach the, um, the Demons when you had the exhibition games between the Demons and the Dog of the first women's games that we ever saw. She was one of the uh, first coaches in that too. She also locked up Football's Women of the Year Award winner in 2013, so she's got quite the resume. Yeah, definitely one of the best coaches going around. It didn't really translate into wins for her and the Fremantle team last year. Um, that could have come down to personnel they had at the time, um, probably more than the coaching style. But if there are changes to be made, I think everyone expects that she'll be right on top of how the game should be played for the women. So unfortunately, we've had a bit of bad news about some poor luck continuing for Kiara Bowers. Yeah, she uh, didn't get to play uh, last year. One of the key uh, Fremantle players did an ACL right before the season started. So not only did she miss all of last year, but she's not right to go yet now. So she'll miss the first few games and she's hoping to play the back end of the season. But yeah, bad luck continues for her. 
You do have some positive news there. There's the big hype train of Optus Stadium, which should kick into gear round two, Fremantle versus Collingwood. That's it. So it's the opening of the new stadium and everyone's keen to get down. And word coming out is that they've already sold 30,000 tickets to that game and they expect there to be over 50,000. So as you said last year, the biggest attendance we saw in round one was just under 25,000. So they're looking at having double the amount of people to this game than we've ever seen watch a uh, women's match. Yeah, absolutely great. So, so they've got hype from the fans, and maybe that's something that can push them over the line. If they've got a lot of a lot of supporters there in the crowd, a lot of people cheering for them, and maybe influencing a few umpire decisions by the whole crowd, whole fifty thousand stadium getting around the umpires, maybe maybe that's something that can be a positive for them going into this year and um, their ability to win games. So we move on to GWS, who I believe won the spoon <laughs> last year. Is that correct, Liam? That's correct. Yes. Yeah, but I. From what I'm looking at in the preseason, that we're going to see a different team this year. Um, they're on fire in practice matches. I think they put the Brisbane Lions down by about five goals um, in a recent practice match. Yeah, I think it was 50 points in that match. Um, and we saw a lot of the new faces get up and perform really well, especially up forward with a couple of um, older 36-year-olds that they picked up in the off-season. Yeah, so one is the first international player we're seeing in the league, Cora Staunton, a 36-year-old Gaelic player. And her fellow age compatriot, Courtney Gum, who recently won the Sandful Best and Fairest as an on-baller. So they both kicked two goals in that practice match each um, in that 50-point drilling of your team. Um, so definitely we'll see a few more options up forward for GWS. And um, I think this highlights what um, I was saying before with the new faces sort of causing some of these teams that we don't expect to do well to maybe do a lot better than we think because there's so many unknowns in terms of player changes between last year and this year with these teams. And you're going to see people like potentially um, uh, Cora Staunton coming in and being um, absolute superstars. They're, they're obviously athletes that are coming into this sport. And if they can pick it up properly, um, who knows how good GWS can be. And some more good news for GWS, Renee Forth, who was their marquee player last year but missed for with an ACL injury, is looks to be all fit and ready to go for round one. Yeah, definitely. Um, and she'll be uh, welcomed back with open arms by GWS. But what those injuries did do for them in the first year is that you had their some of their non-marquee signings really stand up for them. And one of those players was definitely uh, Jessica Dalpos, who, who really shone in the midfield for GWS. She made the All-Australian team won their best and fairest and was really outstanding um, in the absence of some of those other leaders. Yeah, absolutely. It was particularly well to watch Jess do well, uh, considering that she's a fellow Ivano Primary School graduate alongside Liam and myself. So we were definitely cheering along Jess as we watched some of the GWS games last year and we'll be doing so again this year. We'll move along to Melbourne now, who are one of the uh, favourites for the flag this year. It turns out that um, probably the uh, best thing behind them to do well this year is that they're only percentage out of the um, grand final last year, so they were very close to making it last year, and um, that came on the back of a huge thumping of Fremantle, I believe it was, in the final round, which almost got them over the line. Yeah, and a few close losses last year, one to GWS, where they really should have won that game, considering GWS were um, down the bottom of the ladder for most of the year, and also a close loss to Brisbane in round one where we give him a bit of an upset and manage to get just over the line there. One of the uh, best players um, that we saw in the first year from Melbourne, um, Mel Hickey, sort of played a lot of um, the lockdown defence and uh, a lot of uh, footy down back. 
Um, in the uh, VFL women's uh, tournament that just uh, happened, we saw her move into a permanent inside midfielder role where she really tore the game apart. So I'll be really inter- interested to see where she lines up for the Demons this year, but she could be a real weapon and someone who changes positions and makes a real impact around the footy. And she'll be in good company. Quite a few stars in the Melbourne lineup. You've got Daisy Pierce, Paxman and OD as well, all, all Australian. So a lot of top-end elite talent. We also have a lot of new faces coming into the Melbourne team, which I really think is another reason why people are all over them this year. We've already touched that uh, Bianca Jacobson um, moved over to them in the trade period, and she's a player who has seven games, maximum games experience um, in the league from last year. So getting those players that have already played the game from a different club come over and can add something new, um, it'll be interesting to see how she goes. And a few mm. new faces to the league as well. The 2012 WNBL champ and current Melbourne boomer Tegan Cunningham is going to be lining up for them next year. And at 185 centimetres, she'll be one of the tallest players in the AFLW up in the forward line there. Talking about tallest players in the competition, one that we have to talk about is um, Aaron Hoare, who, who's a previous netballer who's come in to play for Melbourne this year. And she's going to play Ruck standing at 194 centimetres. And she has to be, if not the one of the tallest players in the competition and inserting a player with that sort of height um, around the ball as well as as you previously mentioned Cunningham up forward with a lot of height um, it'd be a very different uh, Melbourne outfit in terms of um, uh, lots of size very hard to get the ball off them I think now in the center clearances they're already quite a good midfield team but that should hopefully take them to the next level Move on to uh, our final team now, the Western Bulldogs. And I think that the um, best thing we can say about them moving into this year is that we're going to see a much better attack. Last year, we saw them kick 31 goals, 51, which saw them lose a lot of games because they're kicking a lot of behinds. But this year, that's going to change. One of the reasons we think that might change this year is Katie Brennan. Unfortunately, she managed only two games last year due to injury, but she was the leading goal kicker in the women's VFL. Yeah, so she was one of the marquee players for them who unfortunately went down with injury and um, didn't manage to play the full season. So having her up in attack will completely change how Western Bulldogs play the game. And we also have another player coming in in the trade period, Deanna Berry, who um, was a Rising Star nomination um, during last year and played all seven games. And she managed to kick almost a goal a game last year. So she'll be another one to add into that attack to assist that goal-to-behind ratio. The Dogs have also been lucky enough to add the number one pick, Isabel Huntington, and Liam, I believe there's a lot of hype around her. Hype in the football sense and in the general intelligence sense. Um, There was an article that came out last week that said she got a 98.1 ATAR score at school. She just uh, graduated with that, so she's got a lot of uh, intelligence behind her. we just got to see if that translates into a footy IQ as well. We've definitely seen a few highlights there that she can absolutely play. Forward and back, so one to watch out for. She has missed a lot of footy, which was uh, very interesting for some people to see her go number one. She broke her leg, I think, in 2015, and um, last season she missed with an ACL. So she's got a lot of um, injury history, but for her to go number one without playing um, as much footy as some of the other girls over the previous years is just a testament to the sort of athlete she is and um, all reports around the track since she's been at at the club. um, She looks like she'll be a star straight away. And just quickly, one other name that we think could make a difference in the goal-kicking stakes, superstar Ali Blackburn. She did manage to kick six goals from her seven games last year and make the All-Australian lineup, but I do recall seeing her miss quite a few sitters uh, when we were watching the Dogs play live. So shots that she would normally take and, and slot them straight through. So hopefully she can maybe even double the amount of goals she's kicked this season. 
I've also uh, seen her attending um, Perseverance on Brunswick Street. So if that um, sort of uh, drinking establishment choice has anything to go by, she's um, uh, she's in for a bit of a rough year. <laughs> Definite negative right there. <laughs> um, Champion Data released an interesting set of statistics during the week um, where they had listed... Um, took, taken all the statistics in the AFL season last year and ranked all of the players that came in um, top 10 percentile of their combined stats and um, sort of listed how many elite players were at each club. Yeah, so we won't run through the whole thing, but interesting to note that two clubs, Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs, came out well ahead in their numbers of what we consider elite players. One of the probably more interesting ones was the um, flag winners Adelaide only had uh, two players that were listed in the elite category and had 11 players from that team, half their team, ranked as either below average or poor in these statistics, which was the most of any club. Yes, yeah, so as you mentioned, Adelaide with only two players named there. Melbourne managed to get five, and I believe the Bulldogs also got five players listed as elite. Although Adelaide's elite ones were Perkins and um, Phillips, so I guess it's just depending on how high above elite you thought Phillips was last year because she was so outstanding, maybe she counts for four elite players. One of the major talking points moving into this season will, I think, be the Brisbane versus Taylor Harris rivalry that we might be seeing on the field. I think we're finally seeing in the AFLW, this is the first one that I can um, remember reading about, is a media beat-up. We love to read it in the men's league. We love to read them saying so-and-so is angry at so-and-so or taking one little clip out of what someone says and making a whole story about it. And this is the first one where Harris um, came out and was in an interview said, oh, yeah, I'm enjoying the professionalism of Carlton. And everyone's like, ooh, she's taking shots at Brisbane, saying they're not professional. Yeah, so Caitlin Ashmore came out immediately labelling those claims as rubbish. And also Vice-Captain Kasler. I was quoted as saying, it's up to the player what level of professionalism they bring to the team. That was such a shot back at Taylor Harris, I think. That's definitely her saying, look, Taylor, you weren't professional while you're here. Don't put that back on us. So it's already shots fired from Brisbane back to Taylor Harris. And very interesting comment too um, with professionalism, especially in regards to um, how Brisbane really played played the game last year. I mean, as we saw Brisbane upset quite a few teams and look to be playing you know, very well as a team and, and very structured. So a bit of a surprising comment there. We'll have to wait uh, until round three when uh, Brisbane and Carlton match up to see if there's any fire on the field or words going up into that match. But um, hopefully we get a few heated matchups and a few few real rivalries coming out of this women's league. So we're going to do some round one tips now and, and decide who we think is going to win the four games that we've got coming up this week. And Liam, I think we've gone with mostly the same here. Yeah, so myself, we've got the Blues and Pies, and I'm going to pick the Blues in that one. And if I've got to lock in one tip of the week, it's got to be the Blues to beat Pies on Friday night. I've also gone with the Blues. Uh, pretty easy choice for mine. We watched them last year, beat them by about five goals, and I'm expecting something similar this year. We've also got the Ds and Giants um, at Casey Fields, and I think Melbourne's got to win this one. Yeah, another easy pick, I think. Um, Giants should be much improved. It'll be interesting to see them play, but I've gone with the Ds. We've got the grand final rematch, which we get in the first round, which is quite exciting, of uh, Crows-Lions, and that's over at Norwood Oval, so that's Adelaide's home ground, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, I mean, they're coming off a premiership. It's playing at their home ground. Um, I've got to go with the Crows. Yeah, very tough game um, for both sides, obviously, but especially for the Lions. Um 
it's very tempting for me to say the Crows because obviously they won the matchup in the grand final last year and they're looking very strong again, but I'm obviously going to back in my girls and say the Lions are going to get over the line. And the final game, we've got Dogs and Freo at the Witten Oval. And, um, yeah, I'm really on to the Dogs this year. I think that their new-look forward line can really do some damage, and I'm going to pick them. Yeah, I think we got down to this fixture last year. A good night at Witten Oval watching the Dogs get over Fremantle, I believe. But, yeah, yeah, I've I've also gone with the Dogs, I think. A bit of a repeat of last year. We're going to see them just overpower them through the middle. So just to recap those ones, we've both chosen the Blues over the Pies, the Ds over the Giants, and the Dogs over Freo. Um, the Crows Lions will see who is the uh, greatest female football tipper out of us two, which um, everyone can follow in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to taking a one-tip lead <laughs> in that competition. Looking forward into the full year, we'll do a few run-through of um, who we think will win the flag and who we think will win the major medals of the year. So if I'm going to have to um, line up someone to be in the grand final, I think it's going to have to be the Demons is who I'm going to chip, tip as my premier favourites to maybe take it over the Dogs. I think the Dogs will be much improved, but from those players we listed before for Melbourne, they'll probably be my premiership tip at the moment. Um, what about you? Yeah, um, despite what seemingly the betting odds are saying, I couldn't go past the Crows again, so I locked the Crows in as my first finalists. And then I was tempted to put the Lions in there, obviously, as a supporter, but I've gone with the Demons, so I'm expecting a Crows-Demons matchup. Uh, as to who gets over the line, not really sure, but if I had to be pushed on it, I'd maybe say Crows going back-to-back. Back-to-back. Uh, we'll move on to the uh, MVP of the league, so the Brownlow equivalent in the women's. Um, who's your tip for that one? I'm a bit cynical when it comes to the Brownlow or Brownlow equivalent, let's say, so I'm going to say Daisy Pierce. Um, obviously a great player, but also a media darling, and I think that also generally helps your chances in these sort of awards, so I'm going to go with Daisy Pierce. I think I'll say maybe Davy from Carlton. We've talked a lot about her um, athleticism and being very young still and having a lot to improve. And it was one of the people that the other coaches um, said might win the awards. So there's definitely a bit of talk around the industry about how good she's uh, become over the offseason. So I'll lock her in for my Brownlow tip. And most goals, Liam, who are you expecting to kick the most rolls this season? Um, I'm going to go with a little bit of an outsider here and go with Brennan from the Dogs. Um, she, as we said before, was the equal Coleman from the VFL Women's recently. She's a marquee player. She's a renowned goal kicker, and um, I think she's a little undervalued there because she missed a lot of games last year. I'm going to let you go with the outsider. I'm going to take the blue chip prospect and say that Darcy Vesico, crumbing off big Taylor Harris, is going to get the job done. Although I do expect some stiff competition from big Tex Perkins. I will play this back at uh, the end of the AFL Women's and uh, see how correct I was and how wrong you were at the end of all this. Um, but hopefully that's a that's a bit of fun that we can look back in in a few weeks and see how we did there. Absolutely. So that'll probably wrap us up for this week. Uh, we'll be back maybe in a week or two talking about who's running hot in the preseason in the men's comp. And um, I've also done a lot of research already into my Supercoach team, so hopefully we'll run out of Supercoach uh, podcast too sometime soon with um, maybe a few tips for both the regular and the draft leagues going forward. 